Yes, people, it's episode 235 of Griff's Brain Dump, and it's me, Griff, obviously. How are you doing? Are you well? It is Sunday the 25th. Sunday 25th. Listen, if I wasn't doing the podcast, I wouldn't know what day it was, because a uh, minor thing happened this week. Uh, I, I, um, I've got an Amazon delivery. <laughs> no, I had a kid. I didn't have a kid. My wife had a kid. We're not that progressive. Um, my wife had a kid. A kid, a girl, a daughter. We have a daughter and uh, she's been introduced to the world, um, which is fantastic. That was Tuesday on the 20th. Uh, Zadie Griffiths was born. Um, mother and child are doing very well. Um, it had to be uh, a C-section in the end. Um, I want to talk through all of labour <laughs> um, later on in this pod, but yes, they're they're doing well. They're currently downstairs as I record the pod. Um, I'm not whispering on the pod because this kid's got to understand this pod existed before her. This pod existed before her mother. Okay, well, existed before Naomi. I knew Naomi. I mean, Naomi's not younger than the pod. That would be weird. Um, but um, yeah. That's, that's really what my week's been, obviously, being a dad, a new dad, um, which is fun. It's a fun challenge. It's, um, it's everything what you expect it to be once they're home. So let's, oh, I'll, I'll run through what happened um, this week. So it was uh, on Monday, it really kicked up a gear. Um, she was due on the Friday last week. Yes, due on the 16th. So all my life and scheduling has been kind of based on her coming on that day. Um, so like my next gig is the 30th of July. Because I don't know why I just thought, yeah, she'll come on time. Um, even though I knew that was unlikely, I still planned my life as if to go, that'll give me two weeks uh, before I leave Naomi on her own with the baby. Not... That sounds like I don't trust Naomi. No, it's just a thing of, you know, it's both our kids. Don't just leave her to deal with this. It's her first child, my first child. We're learning together. Um, it's Zadie's first time of existing. So we're all learning together. Um, just muddling through, trying to work out the cues of, you know, what each cry means and stuff. We've worked out one. Um, we've worked out when she's hungry. She sucks her lip. We've worked that out. So we can... We can get that before she starts screaming the house down. So we've got that one. But um, yeah, but like poo, I don't know when she's about to do do. Um, I just know she cries, gets very irritable about it, but we can't anticipate. And really, what what can you do? When you see her face and you know she wants to do do, what all I do? Just hover above the toilet. I mean, I guess when she's a bit older, I can do that, but. Um, Right now, she's, she's small enough to fall down the toilet, so I, I would have backed myself to be holding her above a toilet. Um, but I've overcome my irrational fear of dropping my child. Um, <laughs> uh, before she was born, I was kept having just like these weird nightmares and day, day terrors rather than daydreams. Day terrors. Just, I still have them now, not just dropping. I've, I've held her too many times, I feel like I'd drop her. I had just day terrors of tripping over something, um, knocking knocking her day bed over, just anything weird like that. 
And I'm not a clumsy person, so it's not likely to happen. But um, it's a day terror I have, so I'm constantly clearing the floor of obstacles. Because <laughs> I've just got this mad, mad irrational fear. But yeah, so like I said, Mon- so Friday, she was due on Friday, um, so Saturday, um, I guess it'll be like two weeks, two pods since um, I was on ESN pod, um, well phoned in for that because I thought I can't leave the house. Um, just in case it all kicks off. Um, but nothing happened on Saturday, Sunday, nothing happened Monday. Then we had a midwife come and visit, do a sweep. Um, if you don't know what a sweep is, it's where they kind of, um, there's another way to put it, and they basically try to touch the cervix, they activate it, basically. So if you touch the cervix, then the hormones all like start releasing. Um, and everything that Naomi's read, she basically said, if, if you have any level of intervention, you'll just need intervention all the way through. And, um, so she was apprehensive about having a sweep, but she didn't want to run massively overdue. So had a sweep, um, earlier on the Monday, Monday morning, then Naomi and I went for a walk, a long walk up some hills, down some hills, um, baking sun 35 degrees probably not the best weather to be walking um it was hot for me i can't imagine what it's like as a pregnant woman um we walked past these three women there it's like oh are you trying to have this baby like they they knew straight away what was happening and she was like yep <laughs> and they're like have some curry eat some curry that's what everyone kept saying to me curry and sex have sex have curry have sex have curry it's like what together because that's wild i mean I've never even classed myself as freaky. Um, so that's that's out of my freak level. Um, having curry, curry-flavoured sex. <laughs> yeah, that's not my thing. So, um, so it came to, uh, when I was doing the walk, and then we went to a dessert shop in St Albans, and then, uh, which is a lovely dessert shop called, um, what the hell is it called? Um, oh, I can't remember now. Oh man, I can't remember. But this dessert shop had has all desserts like brownies, blondies, uh, a cruffin, which is a croissant and a muffin, a cronut, which is a croissant and a donut, I mixed together. Um, Sundays, loads of desserts, right? The tray bakes and delicious, delicious. So we went there. So then Monday night, we're settled. We are going to have our cups of tea. We're going to eat our cake. We're going to watch TV. The plan was to watch Handmaid's Tale, then Love Island. So we start watching Handmaid's Tale. And then Naomi goes, oh, ooh, I think that's a contraction. Now, she's been having a Tony Braxton Hicks contractions, okay? Um, so I was like, is it? Tony Braxton Hicks. Yeah, she's like, it felt a bit different. Felt a bit different, but you know, we'll see. About ten minutes later, another one comes, and we're like, mm, okay, cool. I know from my, you know, reading all my idiot guides to idiot guides to your wife's pregnancy, like all those kind of books. I knew that hey, everything's gonna be spread out. 
this is early stage labor we're not running to the hospital this is early stage these will be spread out they'll be sporadic i don't know when they're gonna come don't know when they won't come but hey everyone just relax anyway so another 10 minutes past another contraction now the rule is 511 which is um 511 it's five minutes apart contraction lasting for one minute within an hour so they're coming regularly within an hour and they're lasting for a minute so then the next one comes but this is like now two three minutes after the last one and it's simple where Naomi can't really do anything while contraction so between the contraction she's totally normal but then while they're happening she's not screaming she's not in pain but she's like oh and we have to pause Handmaid's Tale, which annoyed me because you know, I wanted to watch the show. She goes, no, let's watch something where I don't have to concentrate so much. Let's switch on Love Island. You switch on Love Island. We get to about three minutes into Love Island. These contractions are coming regularly. But we're both like, you know, we've got to wait an hour. Let's wait an hour first. Then we'll call the hospital. Call the hospital. They say, yeah, you need to be doing this for about four hours. I'm like, okay, cool. So um, you pull out the TENS machine. The TENS machine is these like electronic pads that give you a gentle kind of stimulator, electric shock to uh, help you deal with the pain. So put these four pads on the back and uh, she gets pressing away and she gets through those four hours. Now we're still in the house. I'm still thinking, mm. I mean, this is contractions, but is the baby coming? Hmm. Not really sure. Because the rule with NHS, right, is you have to be four centimetres dilated um, before birth partners can come in to the hospital. So we're not trying to get there early because she basically, worst case result is she goes in and she's just sitting around or worse than that, she's just sent back home. Um, so we're thinking, all right, let's see what happens. Um, four hours passed, we called the hospital. They said, yeah, if she wants to come in, she can come in. She's like, yes, I want to go in. So we packed the bags. Bags already packed, actually, to be fair. She had me have all my bags packed. So I had my bag, her bag, baby's bag, and all like her vital notes and stuff. So we, we hop in the car. Um, we drive to the hospital. I, I walk her to the front door. And then someone goes, oh, by the way, you can't come in. I'm like, I mean, okay, I get it. Um, you can see she's not in a good state though, so it's up to you guys. But they're like, yeah, you can't come in. So like, okay, I knew this was the case. So I just get in my car and I'm sat in some little residential area in the dark with my lights off, looking like I'm about to either rob someone's house or do a definite murder. I just roll up outside someone's house with all my lights off just not to disturb the street <laughs> so I'm looking sinister um, I get there and I'm just sat there just looking at my phone messaging I go what's the update any update any update um, which is hilarious and ironic that I've become I became the person that she hates in the run up to her pregnancy we said if we ever have another kid we're not telling people to due date because all you get is text messages and get it from the individual asking the other individual, all they're asking you is, any update? Baby's due soon, right? Is she here yet? 
you're asking that question as a one-to-one thing, you're like, it's not a big deal, just text them. But you're not thinking about what's from the other side. But they're receiving, you know, 10, 15 of those messages. And imagine if the woman's already feeling a bit anxious about going overdue and all she's getting is, is she here yet? Where is she? Is she here? What's going on? Any update? How's it going? <laughs> right? And uh, and this is from some people that she just didn't speak to that often. So it's just like, you just want information. Anyway, I'm sitting in the car for about an hour, get a text message from Naomi, say that she's five centimetres dilated. So I'm like, oh, I can come in. I can come in. Um, cut long story short, she's five centimetres dilated. I do go into the delivery room. I go in there and then um, another four hours pass. She's on gas in there. Um, Turn the machine off now. She's on gas in there. Gas in there is making her feel sick. She's walking around, trying to stay active, trying to stay upright. Um, Just being a real trooper about it. So this is where we now. We're about three in the morning, four in the morning. We get to seven in the morning. She has another check to see how dilated she is. She's seven centimetres dilated. We are like, oh my God, she is the best at labour. She is going to just knock this out the park. She's like, yeah, I'll just stick to the gas in there. No issue. There's no issue to me. I'll just stick to the gas in there. So then um, they uh, they, they switch shifts. And in this time, right, um, I'm doing absolutely nothing to help. <laughs> Listen, beyond delivering the baby yourself, shout out Stav. Um, as a guy, there's not really much you can do. I mean, I knew Nomi like being, having her back rubbed when she's in pain. So I was trying to rub her back. She was like, get off me. I'm like, okay, cool. So then I'm now just standing around. I know that's annoying. So I sit down. Um, so I'm looking at her. She's like, what are you looking at? And I'm looking at her because basically I don't want to play on my phone because I want to be present. Yeah, I want to be engaged in the, in the moment. I'm being present. You know, if I can see that she's struggling and she can't say, I need to be the one to go, hey, something's happening here. But then she asked me, what are you looking at? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at you, babe. Um, I don't, I don't look at my phone because I don't look like I'm just playing my phone. And she's like, just don't look at me. I'm like, okay. So now I'm, I'm just staring at the wall, at the floor. Um, I'm trying not to fall asleep either because I think that's kind of rude. If your wife's in brutal pain and you're just there going, so I'm like, don't sleep. So I thought, what's the only thing that keeps me awake? Playing football manager. <laughs> Playing football manager, by the way, won, won the FA Cup and the Champions League a while over there. Um, and uh, she, it, after the labour, she said to me, I saw you play football manager. As, as I thought, what a dick. <laughs> There's nothing else I could do. She said, um, if you do this again, bring a book. She said, a book is just less infuriated. Like if I see you guys, if I see you, if I look over and you're reading some parenting book or some birthing book, then I won't be so annoyed. Because I've seen you play football manager, even though there's literally nothing else you could have been doing. It's just, it just annoyed me so much. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> anyway, so it gets to them out. 
11 in the morning. So this is, a, remember, I'm not sure what I said, so it just started at 8 p.m. the night before. So we're at 11 in the morning now. They do another check. They say. Right, remember, she went from five. And at seven, she went to seven centimetres dilated. So now we're four hours later. We're about 11 o'clock. New, new midwife team come in. Four. They're saying she's four centimetres dilated. And if you don't know, listeners, you need to get to 10 before you can start pushing. So we've gone from five to seven. We're thinking, oh, at this rate, we're going to be around nine. They say four. At this point, Naomi's only had gas in there. So from 8 to 11. So, you know, this is... Well, actually, no, she only had gas in there from when she got in. So for 10 hours, she's had about gas in there. Uh, but been in labour from about 8. Feeling contractions from 8. Anywho, they decide that they conclude that... Do you know what it is? It's probably the waters uh, pushing against the cervix to make it bulge. So it's more open than it... Um, made it appear more open than it actually was so what we think we should do so remember we were saying about if you have intervention early you just always have intervention throughout the thing so oh remember they had the sweep yesterday they said we're going to break your waters for you because the waters hadn't broken at this point they break our waters for her we then see meconium uh, if you don't know that's the baby's first poo come out in the water and that's very dangerous for babies they can inhale the poo and they'll have infections they'll have struggle, struggles breathing we are panicking I'm panicking as well she's she's panicking I'm panicking but I'm, I'm not showing I'm panicked I'm just like repeating what the nurses are saying in a way that I know she would be able to hear it that would stop her from freaking out even though inside I'm freaking out <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not I'm, I can't freak out there's no uh, so they put like a, a, a flipping heart monitor thing directly on the baby they attach something on her head um, and the older keeper says she's got hair there's the older keeper saying oh, she's got hair I'm like alright oh, okay and that made Naomi immediately happy that she had hair um, so now we're at four centimetres. And because of this, imagine, you know, you're progressing that long. You think, I can carry on on gas net. At that moment, she felt she was four. It was like the pain just went up from a six to a ten. And she's like, I need pain relief. If I'm at four still, I can't just be carrying on doing what I was doing. I need pain relief. So we're asking for an epidural. They, uh... But they need to test her blood to see if she's got preeclampsia because I think if you give someone an epidural while they've got preeclampsia, it can be mad for them. Like, I think fatal. So they need to do that. Apparently she had some signs that she had preeclampsia so they weren't willing to give her an epidural until they did further testing of the blood. They were saying, oh, you know, we can give you morphine but morphine transfers to the baby. So we're like, no, no, we'll go for the epidural. Go for the epidural. But it's taking ages. It's taking ages. The hospital's clearly understaffed. It's nuts. So it's like, oh, she's like, I need something. She goes, because I feel sick. I'm about to pass out in pain. So they're like, all right. We go, okay, just just a little bit of morphine. So she, while she waits for the epidural, epidural comes. She gets the epidural. Different person in the room. Like up until this moment, me and Naomi hadn't really spoken directly to each other in those hours. So over 12 hours of being there, me and her hadn't really spoken directly. 
It says, you okay, babe? You ask that dumb question. You okay, babe? And she's like, <laughs> So it's like, all right. So once she had the epidural, it's like, all right, I've got my wife back. We're now chatting away. We're discussing what's going on. Calm, calm each other and I'm rationalising what's happening. Um, baby's heart rate's going cool. Um, and because she said epidural now, she can finally get some sleep. I'm like, cool, I want to get some sleep as well. I go to sleep. I wake up to just this overwhelming sense of dread and panic in the room. This is about one, I think, one or two. Dread and panic in the room. I look at, I immediately look at the machine. I see Naomi's heart rate, fine. But I see baby's heart rate dropped. And now they're going, okay, um, what what position were you in? And they're making them move position to see if the heart rate goes up. And they go, if you move position, the heart rate doesn't go up, you're going to press the panic alarm. Now, not to panic you, but what happens when you press the panic alarm is an alarm goes off and then lots of people come in the room in a panic. (laughs) Right? She didn't say that word for word, but it's essentially what what she said. Um, so Naomi's doing the the brave, you know, deep breaths, fighting back tears, nodding her head like she understands what's going on. I think she hears the words, but it's a lot. I'm there, half awake, because I'm just waking up to this woman making this declaration. She changed position, her it doesn't go up. She hits the panic a lot about six seven people in there um and it's just like mad 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 mad, panic 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 they're talking about right we're gonna do cesarean now and it's like oh my god this is exactly what we didn't want to happen but the baby's heart rate started going back up again once he changed position a heart rate started going back it was slowly 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 they just stabilized and he's like oh my god oh crap how much more (laughs) how much more so then get another check done to see how dilated she is this is again another four hours later so we've got to be around three o'clock now still four centimeters mm-hmm. still four centimeters so we're like um now we're decided it might have to be cesarean we never planned for cesarean um right it's like yeah this might have to be cesarean because now we're thinking right you had the meconium in the womb for the baby's heart rate dropped once. <sighs> like, forget about preferences. That's why if you have a birth plan, it's nice, but it's just call them birth preferences because it may not go to plan, right? So we're just like, oh God, all right. Um, let's, we have to consider cesarean. Gets to, and they give her, they increase her oxytocin. So you know, oxytocin drip. So she's got oxytocin drip on one side, saline, to keep her hydrated because she can't keep drinks down because she keeps throwing up when she drinks. Um, she's not allowed to eat because she may end up having a C-section under general anaesthetic. So you can't have food in case you vomit in your sleep and then choke. And knowing her, she actually feels more sick when she hasn't eaten. And then on the other arm, she's got a bloody... Well, it's not the other arm. Other side of it, has got epidural on the back. So she is pretty dosed up and hooked up here. Um, we do the next check four centimeters. So they're like, listen, nicely new, sorry, a new midwife's in. So she does her check. She says five centimeters. She goes, well, it's hard for me because it could be four. And 
it's at that point I realised that oh yeah, they're just measuring by hand how how dilated she is. Like there's there's no real science to it. They're not using a ruler, just feeling around. Um, and it's at a point we're like, okay, we want a cesarean, but we think you should just wait another two hours, just because we've increased your oxytocin. So you see if it takes an effect. And if not, then we'll start discussing options. New consultants in now. So midwife isn't talking, new consultant comes in. On on the on the time, we gave it to like eight o'clock. <clears throat> new consultant comes in and just goes, listen, this ain't going how we want it to go. This is Aaron. And we're like, yes. It's funny how you just transition from when we first went in, there was like, we don't want a cesarean. So you fast forward to almost 24 hours in labor and you're like, Bring the scalpel, Rude Boy. <laughs> so my only question that moment was, um, I can come in, right? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just need to wear some blues. So got my hostel gown on. Got not my gown, my uh, my scrubs. And we're heading down to theatre and um, nuts. We head down to theatre, um, and yeah, like we. Um, yeah, so I'm at the top end with Naomi. Um, just trying to pick the interesting parts of it. Um, but yeah, we're at the top end with Naomi. And there they, they explain to us cesarean takes about an hour, 40 minutes to an hour, and the baby be out of the first 10. I'm like, oh, I guess that makes sense. Most of it is stitching the lady back up, right? So yeah, we're there. And we're, um, we're just waiting. Naomi's feeling a bit nervous. It's weird because she could feel, but she can't feel the pain. So she could feel like people could kind of rummaging around, but she can't actually feel the pain. So she's like, it's odd. <laughs> um, and then we just hear a little cry. And they go, do you want to see her? So yeah, they drop the curtain. She starts pissing on the table. I'm like, that's my kid. <laughs> this is my room. I just marked my territory. I just pissed all over your table. It's my room. And yeah, and it was nuts. Instant instant love um i mean you know i always had love for the child in the womb but i think it's so true they said men are visual you know we're visual we need to actually see the thing like they say that a mum's a mother for the moment she's pregnant and a, a man's a father for the moment he sees a baby um i guess that's different for different people but for me i was like yeah that, that rings true um yeah, and then I saw her. They said, do you want to cut the uh, cord? And the midwife already handed me the scissors. So I was like, um, yeah, go on then. <laughs> like, I never felt anything about cutting the cord, personally. I um, j- Just because I was like, I don't want to mess it up. You know, you've got professionals here who do this stuff all the time. And then you're bringing me just to stroke my ego and make me feel involved. Because I'm telling you guys. You will never feel more redundant than seeing your woman in labour. Um, like even with breastfeeding, I'm able to help somewhat in terms of positioning. I can pick up some other stuff. I can bring things to her. You know what I mean, I'm not the main event, but you know, I'm definitely a decent corner man in this fight. But when it comes to labour, oh, you're just rubbish. Just like you're just there going, this is really a one man show. I'm just sat in the wigs 
it's funny, people will come in and be like, oh, how are you doing? How's it going? Do, 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 do you know what I mean? Then they'll turn to me like, how's father doing? How's dad doing? I'm just like, I'm, I'm fine. Like, <laughs> like, what can I say? I say, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty tired. Um, well, it's actually funny. One of the midwives took real concern of me because uh, I was just eating Haribo. And I was like, you got to eat something. I was like, no, nah, but you haven't eaten and I don't want to eat if you haven't eaten because I feel that's rude. You know, I'm, we're in this together. And the midwife goes, yeah, but what we don't like is when fathers pass out in the delivery room. So what would you like? I can get you a sandwich. And I was like, okay. So she got me a sandwich. And I was like, damn right. No, we've got competition. This woman got me a sandwich. You didn't. <laughs> Oh man, but no, but yeah, then um, then obviously they're finished finishing the operation, so midwife goes, well, I'm going to take uh, dad and baby away. I was like, all right, cool. And then um, so yeah, it was me and me and baby just in the recovery area, and as we was leaving, um, as you leave, you have to walk past the curtain. So I had the chance to turn around and have a look to see what's going on with the operation cesarean. Now, anyone who's read the Bible knows the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, I, I can't remember the name of the people, but they God says to them, do not turn back. Obviously, you'll turn into a pillar of salt. Now, I didn't think I'd turn into a pillar of salt, but I definitely thought something mad will happen if I look back. Even though, even though I'm very curious and inquisitive, I thought the potential benefit of looking up, looking back, um, doesn't outweigh the potential horror I would see, um, seeing my wife's abdomen open. <laughs> so I was just like, I'm going to carry on looking forward. I'm, I'm going to keep this moment as a precious moment rather than trying not to vomit on my new daughter. So yeah. And then there we were. And then I, Unfortunately, I had to leave him in the hospital Tuesday night. See, I got home about three in the morning on Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Um, my feet stank. My body didn't stink, but my feet stank. I mean, think about it, I had the same socks and trainers on from Monday morning to Wednesday, early hours of Wednesday. My feet were booming. Um, and... Uh, yeah, man, I just enjoyed the night's sleep while I could. And I kept on revisiting in the hospital. And the hospital stay is just nonsense. One thing I will note, I won't go bore you about the details of the hospital stay, but um, is how many people in the hospital kept on referring to baby doctors. There's like, yeah, yeah, um, so the baby doctors come around. Like, and I was like, okay, um... But I literally said uh, while I was there because I heard it so many times. I went, he, he's a, "That's a paediatrician, right?" And the midwife was like, "Oh, so what do you do as a job then?" I was like, "No, no, 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 no. We're not going to make out I'm intelligent for knowing the word paediatrician." Okay, that's like, you know, it's one of the, there's like about five doctors that everyone knows what they are, you know. Like a dentist, you know, that's a doctor of teeth. <laughs> you know what I mean? A gynecologist. You no. Know, um, 
and paediatricians one of them the cardiologists like there's i don't think that's you know esoteric to know that i don't think that's specialist i think it's particularly smart to know that a paediatrician is who would look after a baby but they came in front of baby doctors and i was like is it that we're too stupid as a society that we've had to dumb it down or it's like is that something to i don't know is it or is it that people get confused with paediatrician and paedophile so they get freaked out when you say yeah paediatrician comes up pedo it's like not, not paediatrician calm down calm down okay baby doctor because to me a baby doctor sounds like a doctor that is actually a baby as well just seeing those babies come around doing ward visits going <laughs> hey lean over the cock and listen i know this is weird for you but <laughs> Trust me, I've been there. Literally, three weeks ago, I was in the position you were in. But look at me, I'm, I'm now a doctor here. <laughs> Just like, it's totally fine. You'll Seriously, you'll be fine. Anyway, how's mother doing? <laughs> so I've got like Stewie Griffin type person just walk around the wards uh, being a baby doctor. I was like, what? Like, paediatrician? Like, if people don't know that word, then they can ask, what, what, what's that? What's a paediatrician? What, what's that? Because just them saying baby doctor made me feel like... I took it personally when they said baby doctor. I was like, do you think I'm dumb? Do you think I don't know what a paediatrician is? It's only when I listened and heard them say in other wards and other beds. So I was like, okay, that's just how they refer to a paediatrician. Weird. Out of all the places I would have thought would use the word paediatrician, I thought it would have been hospital staff. But whatevs. Like, do they do it for any other things? Like, not to make light of it, but like oncologists, they don't call them a cancer doctor, do they? You know what I mean? A cardiologist, heart doctor, they, they must say cardiologist. Like, I don't know. In a list of pod, if you work in a hospital, let me know how you refer to each other's jobs. Um, yeah. What's a surgeon? Scalpel jockey. Like, I don't know what 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 that is but anyway fast forward to friday night they're back home um and we're here for the, the griffiths the griffiths uh, family we're, we're here all home um and it's been cool it's been really cool just learning experience taking each day as it comes that five days in um no father and expert but I, i've nailed it so far <laughs> uh no like not to make light it's just every day in my head is operation keep kid alive that's it uh be advanced to the phase of make kid progress make kid achieve no we're, we're in phase keep kid alive um i don't sleep properly if she's not making noise i don't sleep um because i'm not or something because I can't hear her breathe from where her uh, Moses basket is to where my side of the bed. She's on the other side of the bed. So I can't hear. But I've got a little monitor on my phone. So it's pretty lazy. It's like, it's pretty black mirror-ish. I just, rather than get around the bed and look at her, I just look at my phone and zoom in on the, on the Moses basket. Yeah, I can see her moving her hands in the dark. Cool. I'm going back to sleep. Whereas Naomi, literally, as soon as Zadie turns a half a centimetre, she can wake up and be like, oh, what's going on? Okay, back to sleep. 
whereas me ads don't react so i need the technology and then yeah and just celebrating the little wins she's you know i never thought it's you'd deem it as a as a win when your child has a poo and you examine the color of said poo and you're like oh okay it's no longer dark brown we're getting green oh okay it's starting to get yellowing okay you get very happy about that it's this weird winds but um yeah so that's what my week has been um other than that just been laughing at the wayne rooney pictures <laughs> that's yeah that's that's the only thing that's the only thing i've spotted in the news um other than obviously football transfers and stuff but um yeah wayne rooney wayne rooney has been caught slipping again now me and my wife discussed this i was like he, he hasn't been caught cheating i mean you've got the kissing picture but uh, i i do see videos when it comes to kissing because kisses can look mad or embraces can look mad in pictures so i'm not sure about that but the other pictures there are videos i was just him asleep in the hotel room now one thing you gotta know he's fully clothed with his hands in his pocket and jacket on now um having been um a single man a, a rascal in the past i know that when i'm there for business time the jacket comes off and the hands are out the pocket. This is a man who is falling asleep somewhere that he doesn't intend to stay. And surrounded, he's got a woman in her underwear on the bed and another woman in her underwear farting next to his head when he's asleep. And I'm just like, what on earth? So people going, he's a scumbag, Colleen should leave him for cheating. I'm like, listen, he, he hasn't cheated. So she shouldn't leave for cheating. But she can leave for just embarrassment. Like, it's embarrassing, isn't it? Like, women don't like to see their man just drunk. Don't think that he's drunk in front of other people. Don't think that he's drunk in front of other people. And everyone can see it because someone's taking photos and post it everywhere. And your husband's famous. And it doesn't help that he's cheated before. So now people are saying that he's cheated again. And here's the thing. Colleen didn't leave before. She's not leaving now. And that's probably the worst thing for Wayne. Because now he's just in the doghouse. Purgatory. He's in doghouse purgatory where now he is just going to be uh, just sheepish in his own house. You ever just pissed off your partner and you now just, you're just out of that natural sink. You know, like someone you're friends with, you're cool with, you can chill out around each other naturally. There's no awkward silences. You can sit there, not talk to each other and you're both cool. But when there's tension in the air, ooh, all silences are awkward. All talking's awkward. He's going to be just trying to do things not to piss her off and just be pissing her off. You know, having to over-explain where he's going. You know, telling Queen, honestly, I'll be back at 10pm. You know what I mean? Setting a curfew on himself. Then he's going to be doing stuff like trying to make up to her. It's like, hey, Colleen, I've made your favourite dinner. I've made your lasagna. And she's like, fuck off, Wayne. You know I can't eat lasagna now. You know I'm on a diet that I can't have no cheese or pasta, you prick. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Colleen, I forgot. She's like, maybe you were getting pissed up and sleeping in hotel rooms having girls fart on you, then you probably remember, you prick. And he's telling me having all of that. You know what I mean? Rather than her just going, oh, Wayne, you're an arsehole, I'm leaving. 
Nope. It's, it's just going to be purgatory. It's going to be lasting for weeks. You know, I mean, she's going to have to sit, face her friends. How's your week been, Cheryl? She's like, yeah, it's been all right. You know, I've been doing this, been doing that. New job, business is going cool. Yeah, it's nice. Okay, and you, Helen? Yeah, you know, it's all right. You know, we've got the kids and stuff. It's going like planning a holiday, but you know, the COVID restrictions, it's, you know. And then Khalid, and they're all going to just make that face. You know, that face that we say white people make when they smile at someone awkwardly. That kind of straight smile. Straight horizontal smile. Mm. They're like, yeah, Colleen. Mm. How, how are you? And that, you're right, yeah. As soon as Colleen goes to the toilet, she's like, sorry, I just need to compose myself. I just go to the toilet, girls will come back. And they're just going to be talking to each other. Like, she needs to leave him. No, she does. Like, he's ugly. He's rich. So she'll get some money. So I was like, yeah, but what's she going to do? She's going to go back to McLaughlin because no one knows who Colleen McLaughlin is. Like, she's got to be Colleen Mooney still. All her book deals and stuff. She can't leave him. She can't leave him. No one wants to know what's going to be on. I'm celebrity. No, she's got to stay with him. And then she comes back. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, girls. What are you talking about? Like, nothing. Nothing, Colleen. Nothing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I don't know. Anyway. Let's get um, two dear Deirdre's and then I get out of here. Um, I feel slightly out of breath. I ain't got bloody COVID, have I? No, I've been out anyway. Anyway, let's get. Um, oh, talk about bloody COVID. You see that they talk about bringing in bloody, you need vaccinations to actually do things. And um, a shout out to the conspiracy theorists because, like I said, I, I will always give people credit where it's due. They did say that would happen. They said that you'd have to have a vaccine, be able to do certain things. Um, they said that would happen. That it looks like it's it hasn't happened yet, and it's being spoken about, and there's objections to it, but it could be happening. And I wasn't bothered by it because I never wanted to go to a nightclub anyway. There wasn't any holidays I particularly wanted to go to, and the workaround of not having your two jabs is that you just bring a you know a negative lateral flow test. But now they're saying no, 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 no. From October, you're going to need your uh, proof that you've had your jabs to go to Premier League games. Now, that's cool if you haven't sold people season tickets before that announcement. Because now I'm someone who's got a part of a season ticket for next year. And I haven't had my jabs. And nor am I going to just get my jabs because I want to watch Tottenham Hotspur draw against Crystal Palace. Yeah, I'm I'm not doing that. Um so it's a bit nuts. It's a bit nuts. There needs to be some kind of work around where I can just provide a a negative test, surely. And then you know you submit it to whatever event. I don't mind doing it. I don't mind having to do I understand this. They wanted people to get the vaccine so I don't mind me having to do extra paperwork. Because I haven't bothered. You know like when someone goes, have you got the app? No. Okay, then if you just fill out this form, I don't mind that. That's my fault for not getting it done. But you're creating a two-tier society. You know, they're trying to incentivize kids, I mean, um, young adults to get the vaccine in nightclubs. Hey, you can't go to a nightclub if you ain't got your vaccine. So what are we going to do when you're 19? You want to get on the piss? 
four of your friends have got the vaccine. You can't come out, can you, Steve? No, you ain't got the vaccine. You'll be like, oh my God, I need to get it. Because they're telling me about the wildness that happened last night. And um, I need to get involved. The FOMO is too real. Oh, it's nuts. Um, but yeah, literally, I did say that I would get the vaccine if uh, if if there's something I wanted to do it required me to get the vaccine. But and I'm not like I'm not conspiracy theorist about the vaccine itself. It's just hasn't really been hasn't finished its testing, has it? Um, I just don't know. I just don't know. Anyway. Let's get on with the pod. Uh, dear Deirdre, my lover is pregnant after just two dates and I'm not ready to be a dad. Should have pulled out. Um, I got to know a great woman online, met her just twice, had sex once and five weeks. I'm on, I'm five weeks old, I'm panicking because she's pregnant. She's adamant she's keeping the baby and I feel I've lost all control of my life. Yeah, that's a pretty life-changing moment, that. I'm 27 and work as a chef in the pub. Eesh, you're not earning a lot. That's not even rude, it's just, you probably, if you're not planning to be a parent, then that money really is for you, not to just lose it on a kid that you didn't want. That's probably why you should have invested your money in condoms, latex sheaves, condoms. Um, I love the job, but the hours are long and unsociable. I don't have many chances to meet women. I've been single for a year, so I thought I'd try my luck in online chat rooms. It didn't take too long. Uh, didn't take long to find someone who seemed perfect. At first, we were just chatting. I liked her a lot, so after a month, she suggested we meet. She's 25. We went out for a few drinks and got on brilliantly. A week later, I invited her around to mine for dinner. I have a small flat, and we'd only been... Uh, We'd only eaten our starters before she made a move on me. Boom, check on, wow, wow. She came around to my side of the table and sat on top of me, kissing. We end up having sex there and then on the table. All over the starters, disgusting. I finally cooked the main course, steak and chips at midnight. Ross, you had the sex. There's like, well, I mean, I've got the food out, so we should eat. (laughs) We arranged to meet again. Then she returned from a three-week training course and now she's dropped his bombshell. I don't know what to do. It's way too soon. She told me she could never contemplate an abortion and said she would never forgive herself. I know we should have used protection, but in the heat of the moment, we didn't think. To be fair, when I'm eating dinner, I don't have condoms on the table. Condiments, but not condoms. Um, So in my heart, I know I'm not ready to have a child. Part of me is wondering whether... I am the dad. Ooh. I mean, you don't know her that well, so it's totally fine to offend her by saying, I'm not sure if I'm the dad. Okay? You don't have to say why, in the sense, just say, oh, because we don't really know each other. Like, so I can't just take your word for it. Don't try to say, well, you know, you banged me before your steak, so who else you bagged? Don't do any of that nonsense. Okay? Even though those two sentiments are kind of the same thing. But um, this, I think one more. Um, uh, right, one last one. Double life. My girlfriend of three years still won't let me meet any of her mates because you're ugly and you're a prick and she's ashamed of you. No, um, dear, 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 although I've been with my girlfriend for three years, I've not met any of her mates. She, maybe she doesn't have any mates. Recently, she asked me if I wanted to get a flat 
with her next year. It's a big deal, but knowing her friends is important too. I'm 28, she's 26. I've mentioned wanting to meet her mates a few times, but she still... But still, it hasn't happened, sorry. I would make me... It, sorry, it would make me more relaxed if I got to know them rather than her just giving me names because she isn't on social media. I have to trust what she says. She's on social media, mate. She just uh, doesn't want you to follow her. It makes me feel rejected, um, like I'm kept hidden just in case we don't work out. It makes me hold back from committing to a flat with her. Yeah, um, I understand that, mate, because... What if she now goes, oh, actually, my friend's moving in and a friend is a psychopath. <laughs> you know what I mean? What are you going to do then? Absolute nutcase. Then you start living with her. Uh, you've got a bloody 24-month tenancy and they're taking you for a mug. They stop paying their rent. But it's going to go on your bloody credit record if you don't pay the rent. So then you're paying rent for these two crazies. These two crazies aren't just crazies. They're actually lesbians. So now you're a third wheel in a lesbian relationship and you're paying for their flat. Huh? And now when you get mad, they're calling you a homophobe. <laughs> then you get kicked out. You're getting kicked out. They call the police and you're being kicked out. Your landlord doesn't care about that shit. They say your name's on the fucking tenancy. Hey? Terry, your name's on the tenancy, mate, so you need to pay. And you're having a right meltdown. Your life goes down the toilet. Mate, don't do not do it. Meet her friends. Ask her why she doesn't want to introduce her friends. She may be ashamed of her friends. Her friends might be really scatty, and she's like, yeah, we're friends because we've known each other since we were seven, but I don't want them to meet you. Or maybe you're all of her friends' types, and they were just like, you know drop to their knees when they see you i don't know but you to find that out anyway that is the end of the pod um people been asking me i'm performing next like i said 30th of july at the millfield theater uh in north london uh, i'm headlining the resistance comedy show that day so that'll be fun i have performed for weeks but i guess you know what i'm going to be talking about on the stage It'd be good. I know I'm going to smash it. I'm going to swagger on stage like the headliner and just be like, okay, I'm going to tell you about this. And just uh, be really funny. It's been great. Anyway, people, that is the end of the pod. I'm going to go and watch Love Island like a real man. Peace.